Thank you so much for tuning into Defining Moments Podcast. We appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your time, the time that you took to listen to their guests and their story. Any feedback you have will be greatly welcome. Improvements, critical thoughts, please let us know. Be brutally honest because that's how we like it. Enjoy your day. Stay undefeated. Welcome back to the Undefeated Show, Defining Moments Podcast. We're located here in Project 3810, the house that Kyle Golding built. Today's very special guest played football at the University of Oklahoma for three years, selected to the Big All Big 12 two times, NFL for nine years, the undefeated American-loving coach Jimmy Wilkerson. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You also coach... At Colorado High School. I do. And then you also were part of a national championship team in 2017. We'll dive all into that before we get started. Oh. All for you, brother. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate it. I've been wanting some of these. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you got the whole collection. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. How's your morning been? Uh, morning's good. Uh, got up, got the kids ready for school, sent them off, and uh, now I'm here. Yeah. What are some of your morning habits? Because you at one time played college, then you played pro. Now you're a coach. You're obviously a dad and uh, and a husband. So where are some of your morning habits to get to? Well, for me, is um, you know, when I get up in the morning, I kind of have to sit there, you know, collect my thoughts, um, you know, figure out, you know, how I'm, how I'm going to get the boys up for school. Um, and then... You know, just get my mind ready, geared up for the morning. Just make that way upstairs, get them up, um, however I can. Yeah. And uh, and then help my wife with the other two. Yeah. How old are your boys? Uh, I have three boys um, and one girl. My three uh, boys are 18, 16, and 12. Okay. And then my daughter's eight. Nice, nice. And you've been married how long? Uh, 20 years. Wow. Uh, we just celebrated our 20 years, uh, 20 year anniversary. Dang, man! Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's amazing. Yes. So let's let's rewind the clock back a little bit to OU football. Mm-hmm. Let's actually let's go back to high school. Okay. What was the recruiting process like for you to from high school to college, and then what was the process like from college to pro as far as recruiting, and then your mindset shift in mindset potentially? Well, um, my junior year, we won the state championship in 98. Um, I was very frustrated because a lot of my friends were getting college offers, and I didn't get any. I was a starting quarterback, starting linebacker. I punted, and I was either a second or leading tackler on the defense. I had the second most rushing yards on offense, and yet I did not get any offers. So I was a little frustrated. Um, going into my senior year, um, I had a lot to prove. Um, number one is because nobody uh, at our school thought that I was going to amount to anything. They thought the running back or the tiny end was going to go, you know, go far. My name was not mentioned, um, so that was a little bit uh, frustration, frustrating, and I was angry about it. You know, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna prove you wrong." So I went out there and I had an even better year. Um, unfortunately, we didn't make it to the state uh, championship, but 
letters start pouring in. You know, I, I can remember like yesterday, I got my first letter from Syracuse. Um, the college that Donovan McNabb went to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing that I remember in the letter is, we want you to be the next Donovan McNabb. And I was excited about it. But then one of my teachers uh, that used to live uh, in New York was like, I don't think you want to go there. It's really <laughs> cold and it snows a lot. So I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. But once that letter came in, then all these other letters started coming in, um, taking visits. That was amazing. Um, anybody who knows me, I grew up in a very small town, um, under a thousand people, graduated with roughly 24 people. Mm-hmm. And never really been outside of Texas. So going to Oklahoma, going to Arkansas, going to Texas A&M, being on those campuses, it was really big and really mind blowing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was mentally ready for the challenge. Um, I felt like um, throughout my life, just living in one spot, um, I wanted to explore. I wanted to get out there and, you know, be adventurous and, you know, take those risks that a lot of people are afraid of. Um, and that's a good credit. That's really big credit to my mom and to my dad. Um, and once I chose OU, um, I, it was nervous. I was I was <laughs> nervous, you know, going into this this big school with, with such a rich tradition. Um, it made you feel really small and you know, being a big guy on campus or at my high school, um, I felt like a little kid compared to those <laughs> guys. And I played scared. A lot of people don't know that, but every day that I went out to practice, I was terrified. Wow. And I guess that's what made me play so fast is I didn't want to get caught by the big guys, you know. <laughs> um, but I learned a lot. At, at OU, being under Coach Bob Stoops, uh, Brent Venables, Mike Stoops, um, all those great uh, coaches that was there, mm-hmm. you know, through our national championship run, um, they taught me a lot, and um, that has helped me carry, you know, on the tradition through the NFL. Mm-hmm. Who recruited you to OU? Mike Stoops. Mike Stoops. Mike did. Stoops. It yeah. was it was a weird. Um, <laughs> recruiting process because he came to my school and if anybody knows Mike Stoops, he's really loud when yeah. he talks. And I think this was around the time where everybody was taking tests and we were walking through the halls. It was very echoey and he's talking to me, trying to whisper, but he's he's talking to me normal. And I had, you know, students come out the hallway, come out the room, you know, trying to figure out who's talking so loud in the hallway. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was a weird moment. I was nervous, uh, you know, I was a quiet kid, so I didn't want any attention brought towards me. And so when people started coming out of the classroom, yeah. it kind of made me uh, feel a bit weird. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he was uh, he was a good recruiter, said all the right things. Um, I think what sold it for me was when Coach Bob Stoops came to my house mm. and sat down with me and my mom. And I, you know, when, when, uh, I went back to OU for spring and met up with Coach Stoops, and he remembers that conversation with my mom. Wow. You know, 22 years ago. Um, And so that says a lot about the type of person that he is. And that was, I think, my mom made the decision for me to go to OU based on that conversation. Wow. That's amazing how a simple act of 
kindness and a gesture and a conversation can really traject your future mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Wow. What was your favorite moment at OU? Ooh, favorite moment at OU. Um, well, I have two. Yeah. Um, my first one was when I was a freshman. Um, we were playing Nebraska at our at our stadium, and you know I was on special teams. Really wasn't doing anything. You know, didn't really have my name out there like a lot of these guys did. Um, so I'm running down on kickoff, and the returner catches the ball. And I, everybody just parted. And I see this guy, number 25, I can't remember his name, but I made the most perfect tackle on kickoff <laughs> that I've ever made in my life. And somebody snapped a picture of it right when I hit the guy. And, I, and, and they sent it to me. And that was a really, I think that was one of the most defining moments of my career at OU. Wow. The second one was when we played um, Texas my <laughs> sophomore year. Um, going up against Chris Sims, everybody talked about Chris Sims and how, you know, his dad played in the NFL. Yeah. And Chris Sims was, I mean, he was a great, he was a good quarterback. But everybody was like, you know, he's not better than Major Apple, right? And I got my first sack against him. And I said, man, that felt great because that was my first sack. And I got another sack, and then I got another sack, and then I come back, Sports Illustrated takes a picture of that, and it says, take that, Texas. I My my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we went and bought every copy that Walmart had, and um, that was an awesome moment because I've never been on the cover of anything. Never been mentioned in a newspaper other than, you know, my uh, hometown newspaper. Yeah. Um, and then I got on Sporting News, the cover of Sporting News uh, magazine. So that was a great defining moment for me. And mm-hmm. it really opened my eyes to my potential of what I could do. And I think from that moment, it allowed me to think about my future. Mm. My uh, future in the NFL. Yeah. And so um, that that game right there motivated me even more to be really good. Wow. Don't you hold a sack record for OU Texas? I I think so. I think it's still think the, the record. Yeah. I think it's still the record. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So when you think about that, those two defining moments in football that kind of trajectory trajected your mindset into potentially the obviously the NFL were there other moments along the way that you knew that this this is it this is I'm going to play in the NFL when I felt that the coaches and players really counted on me Mm -hmm. um, to go out there and do the things that they know I could do um, that led me to believe that I was better than what I was. I thought I was, mm-hmm. and I think that was one of the more defining moments of me knowing that I was going to make it in the NFL. Um, I had I had a lot of goals, um, and really, what drove me was my childhood coming up. Um, <clears throat> I my dad was he was he was on drugs. He drank a lot of alcohol. I spent a lot of nights 
you know, pulling him out of the car because he was passed out. Um, I've seen a lot of things as far as the drug world goes of him buying the stuff, using the stuff, um, arguing with my mom on countless nights, um, you know, taking money from us when we would work for it. And so that right there filled me with a lot of anger and motivation to not be in this position once I left high school. Mm-hmm. Um, that amongst uh, you know a lot of uh, a lot of other things of people just saying you're not going to amount to anything you're not you're not big enough you're not fast enough um, and so I used all that as motivation mm-hmm. um, and I really believe that that was one of the main reasons that I made it to the NFL because I didn't want anybody I wanted to prove people wrong you know that I can you know make it to the college I can make it to the NFL um, I can last longer than the average person uh, did in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, that was that's what kept me going because I didn't want to go back yeah. to where I started. I wanted to keep pushing forward. Yeah. What's the difference between the mindset, I'm talking about mon- mindset, an NFL player versus a collegiate football player? Well, for me, um, and I can only speak on my mindset, yeah. my mindset uh, as far as like collegiate goes, I was just there to have fun, you know, um, just have fun on the football field. You know, I'm surrounded by a lot of great talent, um, learning from these guys, uh, you know, the seniors, you know, Josh Heupel, Torrance Marshall, uh, Quentin Griffin, these guys just watching them and, you know, absorbing all their their energy and their, you know, their words of wisdom and, and how they, you know, do things on, on the practice field and then off the practice field. Um, and that's what I did, you know, and I and I think that 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 uh, helped me get to where I where I got to in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, you know, keeping those same you know home based traditions um, that I used in it and at OU and then carried them into the NFL. A lot of people, when you look at the NFL, they look at a bunch of selfish guys playing playing football and getting a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That same tradition that I had at OU, I carried in NFL. I played to have fun. I played to try to beat you on any given moment that I could. It doesn't matter if it's practice, doesn't matter if it's uh, preseason, whatever. My job is to not only help you get better, but help me get better. And I think I think that a lot of people put money in that glam life in front of the reason that you got there. Mm-hmm. There's a quote out there, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it goes along the lines of the best one out there is the one having the most fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds exactly like what you've done and what you are currently doing as a coach too. And we're going to get into that as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, that's going to, that's going to be an awesome uh, segment. You know, so you took the fun, you took the NFL, you had nine great years. And what made you want to just retire and walk away from it? Well, um, I didn't have a choice on the retiring part. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had goals, you know, uh, yeah. going into my junior year, um, or actually my sophomore year in college. Play three years, mm-hmm. um, get drafted in the NFL, yep. play 10 years. Play three years, I got nine years in the NFL. Um, what forced me into retirement was 
Um, I tore my MCL yeah. my uh, last year in the league, and that was that was a big blow mentally because I knew, given my age, I knew that nobody was going to want me on their team. I just it was just my second major knee surgery, and I always go back to if I was drafted in the first round in 2003. I would probably be on a uh, on a team, uh, but the fact that I was drafted in the sixth round, I was less valuable. Um, and I often think about that a lot. Like, what could I have done differently to prevent that injury? Mm. You know, those those type of things always cross my mind. But there was nothing that I could do. I, I, there was nothing that I could have done in that situation of of you know me not tearing my MCL. Yeah because it had nothing to do with me at the moment. You know, thinking back, I mean, I can still picture it right now of me turning and running down the field and I can see my teammate getting pushed and him falling into my leg. There's nothing I can do, Mm -hmm. you know. I did my job, I turned and running, he got pushed in the back, Yeah. you know. Um, So, I mean, I think about those moments a lot. Um, and in my mind, I can still play, but I know my body can't. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's why I, uh, I use high school football to continue, um, living out mm-hmm. my, my dream of football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're taking your experiences and passing on to the yes. younger generation, molding the new leadership. Yes. Before we get into Carl Albert, let's back up to 2017, because that was a pretty that was a really big year for you as well. Yes. Right. Let's talk about that, Coach. All right. Well, I was at um, I got invited by uh, a high school friend of mine um, to help coach at Texas A&M Commerce. Um, didn't know anything about the Lions. Didn't know the coaching staff. I just knew him because he was my teammate when we were in high school, and he said, "Hey, you know." I've been thinking about this line. I want you to, you know, come down here and, you know, help us uh, with the defense line. You know, you can be like a pass rush specialist. Um, we got to think we're, we need some help. We're kind of struggling in that department. Uh, Talked to my wife about it. Um, and she said, you know what? Go ahead. Go down there. I think it'd be a good experience. So I went down there. Um, they had a lot of talent, a lot of talent. The problem was they were, these guys were in bad situations. Mm-hmm. Um you know they're too small. You know they're too short. You know to play Division One, or they got into some trouble while they were at the Division One school, and then they had to um, try their hand at Division Two. But they reminded me of how we were in 2000. Uh, a bunch of guys who were basically no-name guys who were pretty much counted out uh, came from the John Blake era, and nobody really thought that they were going to amount to anything that's exactly what they were and i said man this this team has national championship vibes to it you know i think i'm a rock with this team right yeah. you know so um you know going down there you know giving my you know expertise and giving them information on how to be a good pass rusher how to take on blocks and you know i'm just giving them um a taste of what I see um, when I'm watching them, you know, what type of moves that 
I feel what's going to be best for them. Um, if anybody knows me, when I'm coaching a defense alignment, I don't normally give a defensive lineman the same move as another defense lineman because not every move fits that mm. their style. Um, and so, you know, going throughout the season, it was kind of the same thing as OU. They started out low, and then they start rising, rising through the ranks. And we got to the playoffs, and it was on. Yeah. And uh, won the national championship with a group of guys who had stuck to the game plan that the coaches put out for them. Yeah. That's awesome because you were the pass rush specialist and the defensive line coach. Yes. And I think that team had the most sacks mm -hmm. of all of any scholarship school in all of Texas that year. Right. That's including Division One. Yes. That's, yes. That's an amazing stat. It is. Sure. It is very amazing. And I was I was so proud to have been a part of that yeah. and to, you know, be on that journey with them and to, you know, just give them the advice that um, – that I've learned throughout my college and NFL career. Mm. What's one thing you feel like you've learned from that year about yourself? Um, the one thing that I've learned throughout the 17 year um, mm -hmm. is, well, I mean, that's a tough one because um, I think I think what I think the one thing that I've learned is that helping people um, when you know you see the talent, I think that that right there has made me more of a better person um, because a lot of people and I use this even now, a lot of people walk through life and they see people, they just see a person, you know. Um, Throughout my my years of playing and being in the film room, I study people. I study their mannerisms. I study, you know, their body language. And I I walk through halls. I walk through, um, you know, you know, in the stores. I see. I don't just see a person. I look at those people and I see their facial expressions and. I can tell when something's wrong or the way they walk. I can tell that, you know, something's bothering them. You know, um, I think that by me helping these guys um, get to the national championship and winning, um, it gave me that motivation that is not just about football. It's mm -hmm. more about, you know, just ordinary people because there are a lot of ordinary people that go through life that people don't see. Um, their struggle. People don't see that they're sad. People don't see that something's bothering them. And <clears throat> I try to take that moment to to look at a person and see if that person's happy hmm. or if that person is okay with where they're at in life versus just looking at somebody and it's like, all right, whatever, you know, and just keep on going about your day. That's powerful, Coach, and that's actually really deep. So then my question is, what does leadership feel like to you, and how do you define leadership? To, to me, leadership for a lot of people is a scary moment because I think they put – I think a lot of people put too much pressure on themselves to be the perfect leader. And I think 
there is no perfect leader. You know, um, I mean, you look throughout the whole history of, of, of humankind. I mean, there hasn't been a perfect leader other than God. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think my leadership is just me being me. How am I going through life? Am I leading by example or am I leading through my actions? Because you can lead by example and then your actions, once you're away from those people, are something totally different. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have, you know, it's almost like preaching, right? You get you get behind the pulpit and you're telling everybody about God and how you should be, um, how you should serve God according to what the Bible says. And then once you leave and you're you're not around the congregation, you're off doing something that is totally different and off base of what you're telling us. Yeah. If we can learn to lead by our actions in, instead of by our mouth, mm. then you make you a better leader. Mm. People are going to follow you and they're going to understand why they're following you instead of just taking your word for it. Yeah. Wow. This leadership topic is one of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with Senior Chief George of QB Impact? He's like my best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when uh, we met at um, Oklahoma Christian Academy, I didn't know him at the time. Um, and it was a weird situation um, of how we met. But the fact that we met and we had the same goals, we had the same views um, as far as football, as far as life, um, in my mind, and I tell my wife to sign it. I've been looking for somebody like that. Mm. <laughs> somebody mm-hmm. who is who has the same mind that I have and see things the way I see it. Because the way I see things is kind of foreign to a lot of people. It's like they don't really understand. And when you get around people that don't really understand how you think and what you see, it's kind of frustration. It's kind of frustrating and in a way, it makes you, it pulls you away from those people in search of somebody else who is kind of like-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom and I, we coached at, at uh, OCA, and despite everything that was going on um, at OCA, that was the one person that I knew that I can go to mm-hmm. and we can feed off each other, we can give it, each other advice, and. You know, um, even on the football field, when he's running his, running the offense, I'm like, I'm watching him. You know, I'm listening to how he's talking. I'm watching how, you know, um, he has the quarterbacks go through certain progressions. I'm, you know, I am, you know, looking at his playbook, you know, so I can be a better. It, even though that a lot of people don't see it as a competition, mm. you know, they just see, Office coordinator, defense coordinator. Yeah. You know, I'm putting a defense together. He's putting an office together. But it's a it's a healthy competition. Yeah. You know, I want to be around people who is gonna who are gonna make me better, and who I can make better, despite all the accolades and all the you know things that you've done in your life. Right. If if you stop trying to get better, then how can you make somebody else better? Mm-hmm. I'm always learning, even yeah. now. You know, there's there's going to be something new 
every day there's going to be something new. And I want to be around those guys that are going to push those things towards me so I can be a better person. Yeah. That's awesome. You're wearing a shirt with one of my favorite words. It says freedom mm -hmm. on it. What does freedom mean to you? Uh, freedom means a lot to me. You know, growing up where I grew up, um, and, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, they grew up in much worse places than I did. But I grew up in, in uh, northeast Texas in a small country town, um, predominantly white. I mean, I've heard racism, racist slurs from the time that I was in grade school up until the time that I graduated. Um, the, the thing that I love about the word freedom is this. My grandfather on my mom's side um, bought a house in Omaha, Texas. That's where I'm from. Yep. It's the first black man to buy land. First black man to buy land in that town. Wow. And he had a lot of land. And <clears throat> the fact that during that time that he bought the land, it was still big and, and, and racism and things like that. For him to do that, I mean, that's freedom right there. You can go into a predominantly white town and buy land and hold that land as a black person. To me, that's freedom. You know, freedom is I have the same rights and opportunities as the next person mm. my 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 type of my type of freedom is <clears throat> it doesn't matter what a person of another color has yeah. over me you know over their experience or lack of experience in for instance in the nfl when i got drafted there could have been a person of a different color that was in my position probably had less numbers that probably got drafted higher i don't look at it as well that's discrimination <laughs> You know, they're discriminating on me. I mean, I, my numbers are better than that guy. You know, I think he only got it because he's white. Hmm. I don't look at it like that. I got drafted in the NFL. No matter where I got drafted. Now I got to put in the work. Hmm. Right? So, to me, it's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. Hmm. It's about how uncomfortable are you going to get yourself to start climbing the ladder. You know, and it goes back to the same thing with life, you know. Um, a lot of people who are in situations kind of like what I came from, who are around drugs, around, you know, violence, you know, they think that that's the world that they're supposed to live in. So they get comfortable. When you get comfortable in a situation like that, you're not going to move. Yeah. There's no motivation to. Right. I was uncomfortable in my situation. So... I created goals. I created things that are going to help me get out of this uncomfortable feeling. You know, when I got to college, I was uncomfortable. I wanted to keep progressing, progression. You know, NFL, same thing. I don't want to be in that same situation because it makes me kind of self-centered. It makes you think that you're all that. And you don't have the motivation to keep winning, mm -hmm. you know. And it's not just about winning games, it's winning life. You know, how can I be a better person today? How can I be a better person tomorrow? I always tell people, you know, the one thing that I tell the guys that I coach is to know yourself. Mm. And 
A lot of people don't understand that phrase, know yourself. You know, it's like, well, I do know myself. My name is such and such. No. Know yourself means in the football world is you have to feel your feet in the ground. You have to feel where your hips are. When I'm talking about uh, defensive line, you have to feel your hand in the dirt, right? You have to <clears throat> feel your get off. You have to understand what move did you just do to beat this guy. You have to understand why did you why you got beat. I always say that because when you're in the NFL, you need to know what you did wrong and what you did right before the coach does. Mm. Because if you don't know what you did wrong, how are you gonna move forward? So one of my biggest uh, supporters was my wife. When I got <clears throat> when I got drafted, and you know she's sitting up there in the stands with all the other uh, wives, and you know a lot of these wives, all they want to talk about is what they got and all this stuff. They don't watch the game. My wife watched the game. You know, she'll talk when I'm not on the field. When when I'm on the field, she's, hey, I gotta, gotta watch the game. The reason why she's watching the game is because I asked her, I said, I want you to watch, watch me and see what I do wrong. I said, don't tell me what I do good because I already know that. I'm celebrating that stuff. I wanna know what I did bad. So every time I meet up with her after the game, I always say, what did I do bad? Tell me what I did. And she would tell me. So then when I go watch film, this is exactly what she said. Wow. So then they got me to understanding a little bit more about myself. And then when I would go to her again, she'd tell me what to do bad. I'd say, yep, you're right. That's what I did. I'm already thinking about those things. So I have family members, my mom, my dad, you know, they'll tell me what I did good. Mm. You know, fans, you know, friends. Oh man, you were awesome. You did you had three sacks, blah, blah, blah. But my wife, yeah, what did I do wrong? Yeah. That's that that was the most important part of meeting up with somebody. So what did I do wrong? Wow. And I think it helped me out through my career. That's powerful. Yes. I mean, you held her accountable to watching you play, and then she held you accountable to mm -hmm. say, Hey, here's what you've been doing. Well, she was a big reason of why I was so good in college. Wow. And why I was good in NFL. I mean, she was my workout partner. Um she <clears throat> motivated me. She said all the right things. She pushed me both mentally and physically. Um, if I didn't do something wrong, she'd, she'd call me out on it. Uh, if I did something great, she'd praise me about it. You know, so um, she kept me going. Even when I tore my ACL, um, that was my first major injury. I tore my ACL and she got to come in the training room. And this was after I broke down in front of the GM because we were really great friends. Um, she said, okay, take a couple days. You can cry, whatever. But then after that, we getting back to work. It's like, okay, let's do it. Wow. <laughs> let's do it. And, you know, the doctor said, you know, you have, it's going to be between nine and ten months for you to come back. Came back in eight. Wow. Because of her just constantly staying, staying on me, staying with me and pushing me, mm -hmm. you know, to get back. Yeah. You know, so, um, she was a great motivation. Man, feel like we need to get her on the podcast yeah. <laughs> and hear her side of being that motivated, that person who inspires mm -hmm. others to be even greater than their own self-belief. Yeah. That's amazing.
what's your mindset now that you're done playing obviously collegiate professionally you coach at a high level in college Mm -hmm. you're coaching high school now what's maybe two pieces of advice you could give your young men now to project them into the future whether it's college playing football or just life in general always have fun never let money never let um, uh, publicity never let um, social media any of that social life get in the way of you having fun Hmm. because the moment you stop having fun it's the moment that you stop trying to be great. Oh, man. That's good. I feel like we could end the podcast now. However, I want to keep going because yeah, I have a few questions I personally would like to ask you. How do you deal with negativity? Um, negativity for me is, you know, again, it goes back to my childhood. Seeing, hearing everything that I've, I've dealt with throughout my life. Um, I don't let it bother me too much. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that it bothers me is when you come after my family. If you come after me, I don't care. <laughs> right. I mean, I've I've taken so much, so much uh, negativity from uh, people in my town. I've taken so much negativity from teammates. I've taken negativity from coaches. It's it just goes into one ear out the other because yeah. I think I think that was the beauty of living in that type of world of you know negative 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 yeah. when you're thinking that you're doing something good is it it you get beat up so much that you kind of form that callus mm. kind of like what you use on your knuckles and whatever when you're hitting something yeah that it doesn't affect you like it would when you're fresh you know uh, doing it for the first time yeah. or seeing yeah. it or hearing it yeah wow so when you're coaching now and you have been through a bunch of negativity, negative coaches, what's your coaching style like now? Is there a balance between positive gratitude oh, and negativity? Yes, yes. So even through the negative, even through the negative things that I've heard throughout my, um, throughout, sorry, even through the negative things that I've heard my coaches say in high school, you know, some in college, um, I still use that advice. Hmm. However, I don't use it directly the way they did it. I form it into how I want to use it. Yeah. And so I take a little bit of the old school, a little bit of the new school, kind of form it into one. And so my philosophy is I'm going to have that same intensity when you do something bad as well as you do something good. Mm. Yeah. So I, I try to get it to where the kids are thrown off. Like, is he mad at me or is he, you know, excited about it? Because it's, it's always the same for me. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there with you. I'm gonna have fun. We're gonna laugh. We're gonna joke. But when you do something, my my intensity of when I'm having fun, it's gonna be the same intensity when, you know, mm. I'm trying to help you or teach you something that you did wrong with. Yeah. So. Wow. So it sounds like your leadership style is you understand what happened in the past how to get kids to be motivated for the future and you're right. taking present negative positive and put it into a ball and you got your own style mm-hmm. which is growth yeah a lot of people don't learn a lot of people they don't like to learn from negative Man. stuff right but you have to you you have to learn from 
negativity as well as learning from somebody who's teaching you positive things. Sure. Because if you don't take those life lessons, how are you going to know when you're facing defeat? How are you yeah. going to know when you're facing that loss? Mm. You know, how are you going to know when you caught up in a situation, you're walking down the street and somebody comes in and jumps in your face? Yeah. You, you learn by, because you saw those things, those things happened to you. And so now you're prepared, even though you didn't, you wanted to just erase that from your memory. You can't. Right. There's a life lesson right there. It's like, okay, here's how I'm going to prepare for that. Because I seen that 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't want to live life um, with just somebody telling me what I did good. Yeah. It's true. I want to live life knowing that I made mistakes, knowing that I can correct those mistakes and then continue to have fun. Mm, that's good. What are a couple questions you wish people would ask Coach Wilkerson, but no one ever asked? How did you get to college? What was your life like growing up? Um because a lot of people now, when they hear my name or they see uh, my stats on, on the internet, um, they don't understand how I got there, you know, um, or the what it took for me to get to those situations or get those stats. Um, the other thing is, what was your mindset like, you know, were you always the best athlete you know and the answer to that was no mm -hmm. i had tons of guys who were on the same team as i was or that played a year before me that was way better than i was mm -hmm. my deal was i was more consistent yeah so talent alone does not guarantee longevity and in, in sports yeah you got to be more consistent than the next person. I mean, I've seen first rounders, uh, second rounders come in my position in the NFL, and I'm still in the NFL, and they're not. Mm. So I'm more consistent in there. Yeah. You accept the challenge, and then you work harder than they do. Yeah. And then you do it on a, on a more consistent basis. Yeah. That's winning. That is winning. That's undefeated. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Who are three people you would love to have coffee with or call on the phone when you needed someone to talk to, dead or alive? Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> my grandmother on my on my mom's side, um, really close to her. She died uh, when I was really young. Um, I think it was in 92 uh, when she passed. Um, I actually witnessed that. It was on Mother's Day. Uh, we had just got home from church and all the girls were in the house, all the boys were outside, but I was sitting right there on the steps, you know, just watching the kids play, listening to them. Always the type of kid that liked to be around older mm. uh, people, whether it's the deacons, whether it's, you know, because there's a lot of wisdom, you know, that is, that's coming out of the room, you know, so I like to listen in and I wish I had her here so I can you know, talk to her, you know, maybe get some advice from her. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the other one would be um, Lamar Hunt. 
uh, former um, the, the, the owner of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, I wish I could spend just a day with him. Um, the reason why I said his name is because being drafted in the sixth round, a lot of owners kind of know. Once the first and second round, once the first round is over with, mm-hmm. nobody really cares who they pick after the second round. So I'm walking down the tunnel, getting ready to take you know team pictures. He's coming back because they had already taken their pictures. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna go shake his hand because he drafted me. I said, hello, Mr. Hunt. My name is Jimmy Wilkinson. He's like, oh, I know who you are. Six round draft pick, went to University of Oklahoma from Omaha, Texas. Those are those were the words. Wow. And I'm like, how does an owner <clears throat> who's got millions of dollars know know who I am being drafted in the sixth round? It's because he took the time to understand who is working for him. Hmm. You know, um, it it became I became a part of the Chiefs family when he said that. You know. Um Let's see, number three. Um, that's a tough one. Um, there's a guy that I played with um, in Tampa for one year. Didn't really get to know him as much as I knew uh, Kevin Carter, Chris Hovan. Um, his name is Gaines Adams. Um, got dealt a bad, I mean, he was a first round draft pick. Um, we had just swapped coaches, um, John Gruden for Ryan uh, Morris, and he was kind of having a bad season, and he got traded to Chicago. After that, he passed. Oh. And that was that is one guy that I wish I could have, you know, sat down and talked to. Yeah. You know, just a one-on-one and just pick his brain and see where he was at in life. Um, because... You know, he was a young talent that was on the verge of being really good. He just needed the right person to, you know, get him over that process, over that hump. So, wow. You you mentioned your grandma, and you you were you witnessed mm-hmm. her passing. Yes. Outside, or she was in the house. So. Um, all my sisters, my mom, my aunts were in there. Um, again, during that time, Mother's Day, everybody comes over to Grandma's house and we we eat. The kids go outside and play. Everybody else, they stay in. We just they just talk about life, talk about church, talk about you know what's going on in everybody else's family. Well, she gets up, um, and then my aunt, one of my aunts, says what's wrong no it's my oldest sister she said what's wrong she said i don't know then boom she fell so she had a stroke Mm. now where we are from in our town when you call the ambulance it's it's not five ten minutes i mean it took them a long time to get there because in a small town there's i mean they're on the other side of town so that's when like when the ambulance showed up we're like I was like, yeah, she's not gonna make it. Mm. So, you know, it was tough, um, but I think she inspired a lot of us just by who she was, um, her upbringing and um, the life lessons that she left before she passed. Right. 
What are you most proud of? Um, I've been married for 20 years. <laughs> uh, an NFL player who's married for 20 years, I mean, that says a lot. Um, my kids, even though that, you know, um, even though that what I want from them is not what, typically what they want i think they're still you know being successful in life mm-hmm. um my oldest son is um he's a young entrepreneur who always he's always pushing forward um my second oldest is a kid with such tremendous talent that he's still scratching the surface mm-hmm. of his talent um he plays both soccer and football i mean he pretty much does every sport but at this age, you can only limit yourself. Yeah. Um, he he is like me. He was the type of kid that whatever challenge that you put out in front of him, he's not going to ask questions. He's just going to dive right into it. Yeah. You know, my, my oldest son, he's more of a got to ask 20 questions before <laughs> I give you an answer type person. He's, he's been that way since he was a little kid. My, my sec, my, uh, youngest son is more of a combination of both of them okay there are times where he's just gonna you give him a challenge he's gonna dive right into it no questions asked and then there's other times where he's gonna be like well let me what if i do this this and this and this he's gonna ask a bunch of questions before he gives you know he takes that plunge um my daughter is adventurous you know um she likes to be the center of attention. She likes to control situations. She, she is, she has humbled me a lot because, you know, being around guys for the longest time that I've you know played football, um, it's very humbling and um, and good to have a a girl. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's you know with the, with the three boys, it was always rough house, rough house, rough house, and then she came along and so kind of like mellowed me out a little bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> she was the one that when I was doing personal training, she was outside with me. She was barking at him, just go, 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 <laughs> and uh, so she's she's helping me out a lot. So um, I'm most most proud of um, the things that I have accomplished through life. And, um, you know, by football, and that's helped me get my family to where they're at. Mm. You know, 20 years of marriage. Um, kids are being successful um, in sports, and, you know, they're in a good part. They're in a good place in their life. So where yeah. they can be continue to be successful as they continue their journey. Yeah. I love your mindset, Coach. I, I love the leadership. I, I feel like this is what the world needs more of in modern-day society. I try to I try to be outside of the box as much as I sure. can. Um, I don't like when people say you can't mm. or I can't mm. because when you say I can't, that means you're putting limitations on me. And I want yeah. the I want the ceiling to be as high as it can, so I can go as far as I want to go yeah. without hitting the ceiling. I don't want limits. I love that. When you say I, the, when you use the word or the phrase I can't, I officiated a friend's wedding this past weekend. He's in the Air Force and he's on the dock. He's fishing, I was fishing. And his daughter was out there. She's trying to cast rod and reel. And she's like, Dad, I can't. And he looked at her. He's like, You know, we don't use that phrase in our yeah. household. And she's like, You're right, Dad. I'm sorry. 
How powerful is that? It's to your very point. powerful. You know, when you start them at a young age of getting that phrase out of their mindset yeah. of I can't do it, I can't run another one, I can't do this. No, you can. Mm-hmm. You have to keep telling yourself that you can. And that's what things that's one of the things that a lot of people don't understand. It's like your body is saying, I can't. No, sorry, let me backtrack. Your mind is telling your body that you can't do it. Right. Your body in a way is, is telling you you can, but you can't hear him because your your mind is being super loud and your your body's trying to tell you, we can go another rep, we can go we we can run more. And you know, it's hard to listen to your body when your brain is talking. Mm, that's good. That's really good. Man, I, I love it. You, you got a few more minutes so we can oh, yeah. get through some questions. I feel like I have some of these memorized, <clears throat> but I don't want to get them all mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. How do you give back to the community? I give back to the community by seeing seeing the the opportunities that are at there in front of me you know um like if there's a a guy on the street who has a sign you know if i if i have money it's like hey i'll give it to you mm-hmm. or you know it's kind of like what i was uh talking about earlier going through the school and, and not just walking past students but actually looking at and observing them and seeing if you know if there's pain i've helped a lot of students um just by walking past them not even knowing who they are just by walking past them and say hey are you doing okay you know is there anything that that that's bothering you because nobody's going to ask those questions yeah they don't have time for it yeah and that is the problem that that is one of the problems that we have as people we don't have time to just stop what we're doing to ask somebody else how they're doing that's powerful man i I think if we if we take the time to just 30 seconds hey how are you doing today you know what would make your day go better if you'd smile you know something like that sure i mean i think that just those little words would be so powerful to people that feel that nobody understands what they're going through in that moment Mm. you know just say hey how are you doing you know i think that would be such an uplifting moment to a person you know so that's my giving back is is i use this title um for a kid that at uh oca he was senior um callen proctor um he asked me to write uh something for him and that my title was seeing the unseen so we walk through life you walk down you know through your office you don't see the people you don't see their struggle you just see people mm. so you see them but you don't see the unseen the things that they're dealing with in their life wow that's good that's good what's a favorite tr- tradition of yours uh 
Well, it's something that I used to do um, in the league with me and my wife. Uh, we'd always have pasta. Um, we'd always go to um, whatever type of pasta uh, restaurant that w that we could find, whether it's an away game or whether it's a home game, um, and eat pasta. That was our that was our moment. Um, you know, I think I don't really have a tradition now because of I mean. You know, bouncing around. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been to what three schools uh, since being in Oklahoma. Yeah. So um, it's kind of hard to start a tradition when you're not there for very long. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite road environment in college? And then the same question for the pros. My favorite road environment. Um. I think when uh, when we travel down to Texas. You know, on the bus, you know, because we don't fly. When we go, when we go to Conbo, we don't fly. It's yeah. everybody gets on the bus, traveling down there. I think just the experience of not having to think about football. Mm. When I look out the window, um, and this may sound weird to people, but I look at the fields, I look at trees, I look at the roads, I look at you know cars going by. You don't get to you don't get to see that. When you're so busy with football, mm -hmm. I think that is one of my my favorite things to do when I'm not driving or when I'm not focused solely on my job is to take a moment and just look at the world. Love it. You know, look out there and just enjoy, you know, the beauty of the scenery that you're seeing, mm -hmm. you know, the grass, you know, take time to smell you know the fresh cut grass mm -hmm. or you know the rain if it's raining you know it's the little things that when you all when you put it all together it adds up to something big something special yeah that's excellent what's your favorite music and then your favorite song oh so i'm a big fan of al green okay so every time that um i have i need a moment to just like chill unwind i'm putting on some al green um i grew up you know listening to al green i think he's one of the best singers that i've heard uh, in my time um but then when i uh if i want to you know if i'm in the gym if i want to you know get pumped up you know get the blood flowing i'm, I'm putting on acdc nice <laughs> <laughs> You know, I gotta hit. I gotta go with the Back in Black album. You know, I mean, it's just the way the way they sound. It's it's the way the guys hitting the guitar, the drums. You know, the the sound of the lead singer. I mean, it's very motivating yeah. to want to do more. You know, and then Al Green comes through with that that soft and church like vibe. Mm -hmm. You know, in his you know in his voice, it makes it just makes you kind of like calm down yeah. chill just you know everything is all good man that's good stuff yeah you can switch gears pretty quick oh with yeah. music okay so what are your thoughts on neil the name image likeliness for um, football neil for football. yeah i think that, yeah that's what this guy asked the name image likeliness where college footballs can get paid for showing up to press or events Signing autographs. Oh, for college players. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, 
I wish they would have done it when I was playing. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's Fair. crazy how things that they used to, uh, they tried to do when I was playing was illegal, and now it's legal. You know, uh, but I guess that's the way the world has evolved. Okay. Fair enough. Well, my question to that is, do you think it's going to trickle down to the high school and middle school? Of course. Okay. Of course. Why? I mean, there's no way it, it, it wouldn't. You know, I mean, you already see now, I mean, there are guys who have left college. I mean, have left their senior year in high school to mm. go play mm. because of the money. Oh. What are your thoughts? What would you recommend to a high school junior or senior? Play, graduate, you know, get Love your degree, it. get your, your, your high school diploma. I mean, if you're good, colleges are going to be there. But don't jeopardize your high school diploma for something that is somewhat temporary. Mm. Because you look at, look at, look at the guys who go to college who get paid now. If a coach says something wrong, you know, to them, or they don't like um, where they are um, on the team, or if they don't like, you know, the record of the team, what do they do? They leave, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then they get more money. It's, in a way, it's, it's you're, you've set the a lot of these kids up to be selfish. Mm. In a way, because yeah. me growing up, you, you're following the tradition, and that's the other thing. These a lot of these kids nowadays, they don't understand the history of these colleges of where they're going. They don't understand the guys who have paved the way for this moment that they're having. They don't they don't want to take the time to look back because they're too busy looking forward about themselves mm. and not about how they got to this moment. So you got to understand the tradition of these schools. I wouldn't have left OU if we were in this time now. Mm. It's too rich. Wow. It's too rich. I mean, not, I mean, yeah, we had great coaches, but you hear about Leroy Selman, the Selman brothers. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to stay? You know, the boss. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Billy Sims. I want to be like those guys. Facts. Yeah. So if I leave, I can't be like those guys. Now I got to go try to be like somebody at a different school. <laughs> and that's, the, and that's the, the mindset if you have, like, if things go wrong, doesn't go your way, then you leave. Yeah. So what happens when, when it's all said and done, football's over with? Mm-hmm. And you have to go get a job or you get into coaching and you don't like what you see. You don't like what you hear. You're just going to leave. Yeah. Or you, you start a job despite you really needing this job to support your family or, you know, you need this job because if you don't have this job, they're going to take away, uh, they're going to turn your lights off or they're going to kick you out of your, your, your mm -hmm. house or whatever. The boss says something to you that you don't like. Yeah. You're just gonna automatically walk away and quit, right? It's not. It's not having a strong mindset. It's true. You got to go through struggle sometimes to get that reward at the end. 
I love it. How do you want to be remembered, Coach? As a guy who always liked to have fun. As a guy who always try not to take things for granted. Yeah. I don't want to be known as a famous guy who played the game of football. I want to be known as the guy who loved the game and always just had fun. Just a regular guy playing the game that everybody is chasing. I love it. Well, Coach, the first time I met you, you brought great energy. You brought great energy here today, your leadership mindset. And actually, you made this really fun for me, so I appreciate you. It was a lot of fun you. for me, too. Yeah. I, had a, I had a blast. Absolutely. How do people get in touch with you? Um, you can uh, follow me on uh, on Twitter at, at Jimmy Wilkerson. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, I'd love to, love to hear from you. I'm a pretty quiet guy, so a lot of times you don't see me out there on the on the social media world. But if you guys got questions, I'll be sure to answer them. It's election season, so Coach Jimmy Wilkerson, do you approve this podcast? Oh, 100%. 100%. Kyle Golding, you approve this podcast? 1,000%. My name is Wong Lam, and I approve this podcast. <laughs> Appreciate you, Coach. Yes, sir. Thank you. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. We appreciate your support to Defining Moments Podcast. A good friend of mine once told me the best one out there is the one having the most fun. And he's exactly right. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're having the most fun. Why? Because we can and we want to. Find us on social media, Twitter at Def Moments Pod. That's at D-E-F Moments Pod. On Instagram, Facebook at Defining Moments Podcast. Take us on the go from iHeartRadio to Spotify. All the way to search Defining Moments Podcast. Check out our swag at definingmomentspod.com. We have a merchandise store. A lot of great stuff. Follow us on social media. We love to do giveaways. Why? Because we're undefeated. Have a good day.